HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we continue our series on global food trade. We've covered sugar and spice. Next up, bites. Iran has been subjected to the far and away the most severe, stringent, painful sanctions regime uh, that has been inflicted on a country in peacetime ever. Servers would come around with little carts or trays carrying these things, and they would cry out what they were uh, providing. So you get, hog al-siumai. So my young son, when he was three or four years old, referred to deem some places as screaming places. Tune in to Meet and Three, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's February 16th, Tuesday, and we're recording remotely. At the end of the year in December, uh, we announced a very special beer collaboration. You know, 2020 was, but the only thing you could do was do beer projects that were collaborations to benefit a variety of causes like the Black is Beautiful or um, Altogether IPA. And um, our good friends from the Happy Hour guys came up with a, a really great project, Curtain Up Beer Project, to benefit the Actors Fund. So we're going to introduce our guests. we got two segments uh, with a couple different brewers on each. So let's go through first with Dave. Hi, it's uh, Dave Lopez from Gun Hill Brewing Company. And Dave's uh, Gun Hill's behind this this whole project, set up the recipe and everything. Mark? Hey, Mark Aldrich. I'm here with the Happy Hour guys. Great. And Jimmy Ludwig? Hey, it's Jimmy Ludwig. I am also here with the Happy Hour guys. And John, our brewer. Hey, this is John Zarevitz from Union Craft Brewing. Great. John, what's your role there? I am uh, the co-founder and creative director. Great. So we're going to cut to the chase. We know a little bit about Curtain Up Beer Project. Um, why did you guys get involved in it? What interested you about it? Um, did you have any connection with uh, Jimmy or Mark? Yeah, so um, we've known Jimmy uh, and happy hour guys for years. Um, they, when we were in our original location, um, you know, I don't know how many years ago that was, maybe six years or so ago. Uh, we worked, we worked with them to do a little promo video 
um, and just kind of stayed friendly over the years. He came back uh, when we moved into our new space to, to see how we were doing. And um, when he approached us about Curtain Up, um, I think he knew that it was just a natural fit for us. We are always looking to do um, community-based projects and help out wherever we can. And uh, this was the first sort of beer fundraiser that we've done for 2021. And uh, we do a number of these types of projects every year. Um, and the arts is just such an important thing for Union and for Baltimore. So um, it's one of the areas of fundraising that we, we often engage in. Um, and we just think it's really important. It's, it's something that, you know, gives our city and many other cities their character and, um, you know, the, the art scene has, has just been decimated by COVID. So, uh, it was, it was an, a no brainer for us to, to help out. No, that's great. And, and let's go to Jimmy. So Jimmy Ludwig, um, just tell us about, you know, the years you guys have done the happy hour, uh, video and it's translated to this curtain up beer project. Tell us what it's like when, when you first went down to Baltimore, you meeting, uh, you know, Union Craft Brewing. What's the, what's the scene like in Baltimore? Oh, the scene in Baltimore is amazing. Um, so uh, the Happy Hour guys, Mark and I started it when we were doing a show in Washington, D.C., right down the, right down the road from Baltimore. Uh, we, we started talking about it at that point in 2003. And then 2006, we shot a pilot. And then we sort of started producing. And that was almost 400 video episodes ago. And wherever we go, we shoot episodes. And I was actually doing a long-running project at Baltimore Center Stage, which, if y'all don't know about it, it is an amazing theater there in Baltimore. And it's one of just sort of the lifeblood members of the Baltimore arts community. And I was working there for months, and I had heard about Union, and I went to drink some of their beer and was blown away. And then I met them and was like blown away again because John and, and the whole crew there is just such a great group of people. And they're so involved and they, they are involved with music and they have a bluegrass festival at the brewery. And, you know, they, they have moved into a new space and they've just continued to grow and grow. So when COVID hit and kind of decimated, as John put it, our industry, the theater industry, um, neither, both Mark and I, happy hour guys are Broadway actors. Uh, we have not worked since March. We are facing some big, nasty circumstances because of that fact we're, we're getting by, but it's rough. And putting this project together was how can we help all of our compatriots in the industry and not just in theater, but in all of live performance that are hurting just as bad, if not worse than us. I mean, many people working are not working and hurting even worse than we are. So um, the, it was serendipitous to meet John down at Union in Baltimore. And it's really great. John, it's great to hear your voice. It's been a minute. I'm just so happy you're here. Thanks for coming, man. It's really Of course, cool. man. Good to hear your voice too. <laughs> So, John, just just give us a snapshot of Union Craft Brewing, like some of the beers that you're making, um, what's popular, was popular in your tap room, you know, what are what are you known for, and tell us more about making the Curtain Up beer recipe. Sure. So, uh, we established the brewery nine years ago, coming up on our ninth anniversary, and um, our approach 
to craft beer nine years ago um, is is slightly different than it is today, uh, though we still stay really true to our original mission, which was to make um, sessionable and approachable beers um, across a variety of styles. And at the time, nine years ago, it was really about getting new initiates to craft beer, to, to pull people away from macro and get them to appreciate uh, a locally crafted, uh, high quality beer like we make. So um, we created a series of sort of flagship beers. Um, Duckpin Pale Ale is a hoppy um, kind of a mashup of a old school East Coast Pale Ale and a little bit of West Coast hoppiness with some assertive bitterness. Um, that is our bread and butter. That's our biggest brand. Um, Such a good beer. <laughs> if, uh, if, if your listeners don't, if your listeners don't know what duck pin is, it's a form of bowling with small pins and small balls that was allegedly invented here in Baltimore. And, and, uh, it, it still exists, although, um, harder and harder to find duck pin lanes these days. I, I actually did. Know, I did know what duck pin was. Uh, just because we grew up with, I grew up with candle pin bowling, but yeah, candle um, pin, yeah. When, when you're talking art and and Baltimore, I I don't want to cl- be cliched, but I don't know Baltimore. I just keep thinking um, John Waters films. Yeah, so John Waters, you know, is a huge cultural icon here, and uh, part of what we do is celebrate the quirkier aspects of Baltimore culture. So our flagship IPA is called Divine, um, at, you know, named in tribute to. Uh, the the, um, the the drag queen in in um, John Waters films, and uh, we're always just trying to celebrate you know Baltimore culture, um, and, and uh, you know in addition to IPA pale ale, um, we do a bunch of kettle sours. Uh, we have one of the original sort of craft gozas called Old Pro. Um, and uh, we actually just launched a mixed fermentation barrel series. Um, we set up a new space in the brewery for that. And uh, we can't wait to get our tap room back open. And I think we're brewing at the highest level we ever have. Um, and frankly, I think the slowdown kind of allowed us to refocus on um, just just quality brewing techniques. And our, our beers are better than ever. So we just can't wait to get open again. So, so tell us what you did. Did you retool your... Your, your systems or, you know, your processes, or you just slowed down or you reexamined, you know, your recipes? Yeah, I, you know, I think it was uh, just the slowdown in volume, quite honestly. Like we just, we, we weren't churning beer and tanks were starting to empty. And when you're not selling any draft beer, um, you know, you start to see all these holes in your production schedule free up. And so um, our, our brewers really kind of took stock of all their processes and, all of our quality control um, and really take a hard look at recipes that hadn't changed in years and how we could improve them. Um, and so I think it just gave us a chance to, to refocus on quality brewing technique. Uh, and I think, I think that's definitely moved, moved the needle for us as far as our, our beer quality goes. So and tell us about the, the curtain up beer that you made. What is it? You know, how did, how was it received? Was it a one batch, you know, yeah, so um, we took the recipe um, that was generously donated from Gun Hill um, and tweaked it just a little bit um, to, to fall into more what people expect from us. 
Um, so um, we aren't known for sort of modern, hazy IPA. Um, although in the last couple of years, we've definitely made a few really good ones. Um, and so we made this one uh, in the hazy style and um, added some different hops to it. But we really got a sort of sweet, tropical, floral um, IPA, medium bodied. It's got a kind of sour candy and orange juice profile to it. A um, little bit of grapefruit, melon in there. Uh, but it's just a, a really easy drinking, nice, slightly lighter style hazy IPA. Um, and it was very well received. Um, you know, I would say equally in part to the calls um, than to the actual flavor of the beer. But um, it, it, it really did uh, get a lot of support here in Baltimore, um, especially from the, from the performing arts community. It was great to see. And then how, how are you distributing... Tell me how, how you give out the what percentage of this beer are you giving to you know the actors fund or to a local actors group? Yeah, so we are um, we're gonna split our donation between um, Baltimore Center Stage, which we have a long-standing relationship with, um, and the actors fund. Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the percentage is to to each. Um, I think we're donating a little bit more heavily to the Actors Fund, um, but we wanted to make sure that we got um, a, a local theater involved, and uh, we really have a great relationship with uh, with Center Stage. Well, that's great. Let me go to Mark. So, Mark, have you been down to Baltimore? Have, have you been to Union Craft Brewing? I am sad to say I have not, um, although I have played Baltimore when I was on tour, um, and and would have played Baltimore again last year, uh, except for the the COVID closing of everything. So I'm excited. My family's down in the in the DC Baltimore area, and I have a lot of friends down there. That's where I started my career. So I've had many people on the lookout for uh, for this version of of, uh, of Curtain Up, and I, and I think I have some waiting for me down there at my family's house. Nice. So Mar Mark, how is that working for you guys? So how many breweries have made the beer? And, you know, how are you guys getting the word out? We talked about some Instagrammers that post about it. Mm -hmm. um, well, as of today, we added another brewery today. So we're at 56 total breweries so far um, that will be participating. Uh, Jimmy, Dave, how many do we think we're at that have already brewed? Is it around a dozen? I think that's about right. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that, about I, that right. we have records for. And um, and so far, uh, our outreach basically consists of us reaching out. Um, so it's been it's been pretty word of mouth and and talking to our friends in the, the craft beer community. And so far, the response has been really, really positive. And uh, we feel like we're, we're picking up a lot of uh, a lot of prog a lot of uh, momentum here now that we're sort of clear of the holidays um, and a, a lot of the you know, the election cycle is quieted down people have a a chance to catch their breath um it, it seems like we're picking up steam which is great because the the need in the arts community and the entertainment community is is going to hit well it's already a, a, at the critical stage and it's just going to get uh, more immediate from here on out so uh, jimmy or mark um the latest stimulus proposal there's some kind of stages an entertainment venue components are most actors, you know, are they living off of uh, some kind of unemployment or a, a union pension or 
you know, how, how are working actors that you guys know making it right now? <laughs> it's a, it, it's a, it, and there's, there are a lot of different answers to that question, actually. Um, the, the Save Our Stages uh, legislation is great, uh, but it, it, for the most part, addresses the cultural institutions. Um, and, and, and we need them to be, you know, healthy and still in business when things start to come back. Uh, so that's vital. But what it doesn't do is address the, uh, the workers on a one-on-one basis. Um, so that we're, we're hoping that this will help to fill that void a little bit. Uh, as far as what actors are doing to survive, um, yes, unemployment, most definitely. Um, but actors are recreating themselves around us all the time. Uh, lots of them have opened uh, Etsy shops. They're, they're, they're using, you know, I know stagehands that are using their, their craft skills to, to build things and sell them online. Um, and sadly, I, I also, and I know Jimmy does too, we, we know a lot of, of actors who have uh, moved away from, from New York specifically, but also uh, they've moved away from, from theater and from performance. And, uh, yep. and some of them are, are not going to come back. So we're, we're facing, I read a, a good quote that we're, we're facing a, a, you know, a cultural Great Depression because we've never been through anything like this before. So um, we know everyone's hurting and we're just we're just trying to step in and do a little bit that we can to help and call some attention to it. Because it's, it, it's still not a great public awareness of just how dire it is for people in the entertainment industry. I think you're right that you mentioned New York City because so much in New York City, even like every restaurant and hospitality industry has has so many uh, theater people and dancers that work there. Jimmy, you go for it. Sorry. Yeah. One of the things that's that's not being talked about enough right now, just in general, you know, the Save Our Stages Act is great. It's really, really wonderful, but it takes care of venues, not people. Um, And eventually venues will take care of people because people will get employed by those venues. But right now, for instance, um, I'll just say it, I'm going to lose my health insurance in a couple months because Our health insurance is dependent on whether or not we work. We get our health insurance through our union, and it's about how many weeks did you work in the last year? And if you've worked enough weeks, then you qualify. Well, no one has worked in the last year. So basically, no one is going to qualify, or very, very few people are going to qualify. So uh, one of the things that the stimulus bill that's on Capitol Hill right now is espousing is a COBRA subsidy for those of us that are going to have to pay through the nose to keep our our health insurance going soon. Um, And I'm sure many of your listeners and people who have dealt with COBRA before, I mean, it's just, God, (laughs) it's, it's like paying a whole other rent or, or buying a house in the Hamptons or I don't know what, but (laughs) there's a lot of our, our friends and family and all those people are going to be digging real deep into savings or going into serious debt in the coming months uh, because of that. And I had a conversation with um, another actor a couple of days ago who knows a lot about a lot of things. And he said, I think, I hate to say it, but I think 2021 for our community is going to be worse than 2020. Because during 2020, we were still sort of cruising on all the work and all the savings we had from 2019. Well, all that's gone. We're out. So 2021 is, we are not back to work yet. And we're out of, you know, the bag's empty. So this this project is about helping to fill that bag in as any way we can. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm going to go to Dave because we we're, we're going to have a whole other segment with another brewer as well. 
Dave, um, just g- give a little shout out to some of the breweries that, that have been um, making the, the project through you guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I, so far I'm I'm a little disappointed in, in in a lot of my guys here in the in the city that haven't uh, jumped on the bandwagon yet. But we've had we've got some good friends um, that that didn't even have, when we asked them to do it, it wasn't even a let me see if we can fit it. It was yeah, no problem. We'll just tell you when we're brewing it. So our, our we were just out. Jimmy, Mark, and I were just out there this weekend. But our, our friends over at uh, Destination Unknown in Long Island uh, were were great. Dubco, Big Alice, yeah. Kyle. Dubco. Kyle, Kyle, Big Alice, they were one of the first to, to get on board. Uh, Icarus down in, in New Jersey, also one of the, the first to get on board. So we, we've we've had we've had some friends of ours from from all over that have uh, been very, very receptive to doing it. That's great. We're going to keep talking with you guys. I want to just get a little more John from Union Craft Brewing because he's going to leave at the end of this segment. Um, so, John, yeah, that, you know, a little more of that backstory. Um how are your customers or your community responding to to this project? Yeah, um, people are people are very uh, enthusiastic about supporting these types of projects. Um, it seems like our community is really there for each other. We have a huge art scene in Baltimore, um, and um, you know we heard from them immediately as soon as we signed on to do this. So. You know, we had immediately had some good feedback, um, and uh, I think the batch of beer, you know, was only a single batch. I think it's pretty much sold out. Um, I'm drinking my last can right now. Um, <laughs> oh man! And uh, John, we're st- we're st- we're still waiting to be to have some of that sent up to us in New York. You know, I thought we sent you a box. I was almost we haven't gotten it yet. All right. Well, the mail's a little wonky, but I'm pretty sure we sent it. It, it went to me instead, and I already drank it, Dave. <laughs> no, I wish, I wish. But that last thing, John, a plug for you guys. So Duck Pin Pale Ale, that, that's what everybody knows you by. I'm down in Baltimore. I want you to paint the color for me. Where am I going to get a Duck Pin Pale Ale, and what am I going to drink it with? And, you know, I just got out of work, so how many am I going to drink comfortably and 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 – is that what duck pins about? It can have a couple of those. Yeah, man. So you're going to, you're going to get off work and you're going to go to the crab house and you're going to order yourself a dozen crabs and, uh, <laughs> and you're going to start with a duck pin. And, uh, after a dozen crabs, you'll probably have about half a dozen duck pins in you and, uh, <laughs> and you'll be all set. You'll be right in the mood to enjoy, enjoy the city. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, five and a half percent beer, um, easy drinking for sure. And, uh, you know, you can find it pretty much anywhere here in Baltimore. I think you just, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. What's great about these COVID shows is I'm just making a list of all the places I want to go. So Jimmy, yeah. you're going to take me down to, to Baltimore next year. Um, you bet I will. What are some, what are some highlights we should check out besides the crab house and the union craft brewing? Oh I mean, man. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. Go ahead. No, go ahead, John. It's your city. There's there's so many there's so many cool things. You got to go down to Fells Point and do some bar hopping. You got to visit Max's Tap House. Oh yeah. Um, you know, best selection of beer in the city. Uh, you got to go to the American Visionary Arts Museum and see some really weird outsider art. It's really an amazing place. Um, may, maybe you venture over to Columbia, Maryland and hit Meriwether Post Pavilion for a show. Uh, there's there's so so many cool things to do in the area. 
Yeah. It's just a great town and it's a, they love their arts there and they love their, their arts community. I mean, um, Baltimore center stage, like I said, is just, you know, people adore it. Um, the touring house where Marcus played more than once where my wife, uh, was there most recently a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, uh, what, what is it, John? Is it ra- not roundhouse roundhouse is down in Bethesda. What's the one that's right downtown. Um, I have friends that work there all the time. I'm trying to remember, but it's Are another you of every man. Every man. Yeah, every man yeah. theater company. Yeah. Just, just great, great theater, great food and, and fantastic beer. And John, you know, I still, I need a full tour of the new space because I, I, I breezed by it, but I haven't seen the whole thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> Anytime, buddy. Anytime. You betcha. And then John, what, what, what's the, so what's the COVID situation like there for, for you guys? Are you going to be able to have uh, open the tap room or what, what, what's it like there? So we're uh, we're still under restrictions right now, and we actually just decided to stay closed um, until we can really fully open and give people the experience that that we want to give them. So some breweries are open at like twenty five percent capacity indoors, and they can be open outdoors too. But it's you know it's it's freezing here, so nobody's going outside right now. Um, our plan is to reopen outside. Um, second week of March and, uh, and hope that the indoor restrictions are lifted within a month or so and, uh, and start getting back to it. We've made some changes at the brewery, um, and we're really excited to get people back in. Um, and you know, this was actually the first week that we saw any keg sales. So we're, we're thrilled that we, we filled half a truck with kegs for the first time in almost a year feels really good. So we're, um, we're staying optimistic and I'm booking concerts for the fall. So, you know, being cautiously optimistic right now, I'd say. Wow. That's, that's great, John. So John from Union Craft Brewing, thank you for joining us. We're going to take a short break. Be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Support us at heritageradionetwork.org. Become a member. So uh, we're in that very special time of year when we talk about the important things in our lives. And one of them is the importance of arts 
And our, our good friends from the Happy Hour guys and Gun Hill Brewing in the Bronx created the Curtain Up Beer Project to benefit actors. Um, we were talking a little earlier with uh, Union Craft Brewing out of Baltimore and with Jimmy and Mark from the Happy Hour guys and Dave from Gun Hill Brewing. We just had another guest join us uh, who's part of the project. He's based in upstate New York. So, Chris, please introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. Chris March, and we own Slickfin Brewing Company in Fort Edward, New York. Great. So we've been talking a little bit about the backstory on the Curtain Up Beer and the needs for actors and performers uh, at these times. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us about your brewery a little bit. Where is it and how you got involved in the project? Some of the beers that you're making um, that that I should come up and travel to, to taste. Yeah. Um, so I started brewing back in 2012. Um, I, I learned from a friend of mine while I was in Afghanistan. Uh, and then upon retiring from the Marine Corps, um, I took it to the next level. And uh, we opened our brewery in 2019, in March of 2019. So we're coming up in our two-year anniversary. And, um, you know, we got involved when I met Mark. Uh, he was up with his uh, wife. And we talked about doing curtain up that you know obviously the guys at gun hill and that project had already kind of started and and i i jumped in with two feet and that's how we got started and um there's a little bit of backstory there um in my family and broadway specifically so i thought that this might be you know just a great idea all around for uh to help support actors and musicians and whoever else that are struggling during these times so that's how we got started so chris you're a veteran what what's the backstory on uh, Broadway or acting? <laughs> so it's kind of a Since long you story. Mentioned but it. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom spent some time on Broadway. Um, she was in a number of plays. Uh, I guess most notably, Music Man, Donnie Brook, Bye Bye Birdie, um, Sound of Music, um, and I, there might be a couple others that she had mentioned to me. Um, I actually have a list of information uh, on another app here that she gave to me the other day. So I could talk, you know, knowledgeably upon her her legacy um, on Broadway. But um, so she spent time with uh, some very, you know, interesting and, you know, uh, actors and, and performers at the time. And uh, she produced a Broadway show back in 1996 called Swing on a Star. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of history in our family, um, you know, via Broadway. So I thought that this would be a great opportunity to you know, have my own little piece of history. So then you, you know, you know, what actors go through and what Broadway's about. How, how, how do yeah. you see people struggling? What, what are actors up against right now with COVID? Yeah, up here, it's more music than it is acting. Although we do have like the, uh, uh, we do have a couple playhouses and the Adirondack Theater Festival um, that we do donate to. Um, but I have a lot of friends that are musicians up here and they're, they're all definitely, uh, having, you know, a tough time with everything going on right now. Um, I feel like they're being very, uh, they're being very like, what's the word I'm looking for? Creative um, with, you know, ge- with generating income. So they're able to, I guess, perform other things and do other things with their lives at the moment, um, other than just um, music and whatnot. But, uh, you know, obviously the goal is to get them back performing in front of uh, people again. Yeah. And tell me wh- where you are. I, I, you're up, you're in Fort Edwards, New York. Where is that? Fort Edward, New York. Yep. So it's like in between uh, Saratoga Springs and Lake George. It's just off the highway, a couple miles. 
Um, it really was like the center of the universe for upstate New York uh, back in the, well, I guess, post-Civil War, early French Indian War in that time frame. Um, it's almost a suburb, if you could, if, if you want to call it, of Glens Falls. Um, so Glens Falls is a little um, a little city, um, you know, so to speak. But uh, we're kind of off the beaten path from Glens Falls. There's a lot of history there. Um, and tell us about the, the beers there. that you guys usually make. Um, sounds like a great place to visit. Um, are you near like Common yep. Roots as well? Uh, we're So Common Roots is in South Glens Falls, and we are on the other side of the river in Fort Edward. Yeah, but Common Roots isn't very far away. Great. So t- just tell me about your beers. What I love about uh, these projects is getting to meet all the different breweries that are participating. Um, so yep. it's great to learn about you. So. What are a couple of beers yeah. that you have now that um, are your popular beers? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just put in perspective. We're a one barrel brewery. We're tiny. Um, and I knew I was going to be, you know, super busy with, with the brewing schedule. Um, and we are very busy still. But uh, we've put out, I think, 140 some odd different beers since we opened um, just under two years ago. And I think we're mostly known for the sours and the imperial stouts and uh the ipas so it's like you know we we do a little bit of everything um and i really like playing with different yeast profiles and different water profiles so that's what i'm passionate about and um the beer is received very well um, by everybody that comes in i think maybe i've only had one person come in and say they didn't like something on the menu but you know it doesn't happen very often so um i think we're doing something right so you guys are upstate. Does that mean you have your tap room open? Tap room is open. Yep, it is. Yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. That that, that to me is like old school craft beer. One barrel system. Some yeah. of my favorite breweries started like that, like Barrier yep. and Bridge and Tunnel yeah. uh, in Metro New York City. Yep. Yep. What What made you take the jump? Like when when you were in the Marines, were you home brewing? You know, what what made you take the jump to, to doing this professionally? Yeah, so I, I was homebrewing at the time, 2012, and then I retired in 2016. Um, I took a job in Boston um, with a robotics company, and I just found myself traveling a ton still. And my daughter was like two and a half at the time. And I would come home and, um, you know, like when your kids don't miss you, that's when you know something is wrong. So <laughs> I, I quit that job and I told my wife, I was like, you know, Heather, I think we need to do something else. You know, I don't want to keep perpetuating this, uh, this, you know, habit of being away all the time on business. So, um, I was still brewing on the weekends, you know, kind of few and far between while I was working in Boston, but I, I quit and I walked away and, um, I haven't looked back since. So, um, yeah, we went from, you know, 10 gallons in the, in the garage to, one barrel in the brewery and, and now we're growing to a three and a half barrel and that should sustain us for at least another couple of years. And how did you end up uh, there in Fort Edward? So I grew up in Connecticut. My wife grew up in Fort Anne, New York, which is just, uh, you know, probably eight or nine miles away from Fort Edward. We left San Diego in 2016 and, you know, we had our daughter and she said, well, I've been following you around for, you know, 18 years or whatever it's been. Let's, uh, let's, go back to upstate New York and raise our daughter. And so that's what we did. We moved back up from San Diego. Well, that's great. So now I'm going to go to, this is Mark and Jimmy. Um, this is really cool. Uh, what I love about this project is the way that you've kind of pieced together these different breweries that you know with, with your own connections. Um, who wants to talk about 
uh, slick fin, either Mark or Jimmy. Mark, you 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 should talk now because you brought uh, <clears throat> you brought Chris to us. Well, and I, I was really happy that Chris was able to join us today because it's one of I have many favorite stories that have come out of this project, but this is one of my all time favorites because when I met Chris, uh, I I we were sort of on vacation getting out, not vacation, but I guess it's vacation, getting away from the city for a couple of days, as many people have needed to do over the last year. And we sort of found ourselves ourselves in upstate in an area we'd never been before. And one of the things that uh, that Happy Hour guys do when they're on the road is they look for nearby breweries. <laughs> and, um, and Slickfin was getting just raves from everybody online. And, uh, and so, of course, I, I made a beeline there. And Chris and I chatted and we hit it off and I loved the beer and I loved the whole vibe of his brewery. And, uh, and I knew he was a veteran. I knew he was, he was a Marine. Um, so it was not long after that, that we started reaching out to people. And I thought I would reach out to him because I, I liked his beer so much and I liked him so much. And I did not know at the time of his family's like deep, deep roots in the Broadway community and history and I, I think I think to, to put things in perspective, all of those credits that he read off for his mother were original cast. So she was she was in the golden age of Broadway. She was in the middle of it. And um, and when I I drove up uh, again to, to try Chris's version of Curtain Up, which I loved, and uh, and he put us on a on a FaceTime call with his mom. Because my wife and I are both actors as well, and I think Chris, I think it was over forty minutes, right? That we yeah, were it was on. almost an hour. Yeah, yeah. And we we just kept talking, and she she had incredible stories, and she was showing us pictures of her with all of the stars back in the day. Um, you know, pictures of Dick Van Dyke on the wall, and and there's a, a great story that Chris should tell you about Marilyn Monroe and <laughs> Joe DiMaggio. Um, but I've just loved this project because it has done that. It's reminded people that the arts are important to all of us, even when you don't see it on the surface and that we have discovered new breweries and new friends and, and, and the response. And and I agree with Dave that, you know, I'd like to see a few more of our friends down here in the city jump in, but but uh, the friends that have jumped in have jumped in with both feet, like Chris said. And, uh, and that memory of sitting in his brew house on the phone, talking to his mother about the golden age of Broadway, um, <laughs> and it all came about because of craft beer, is just one of my favorite things ever. Well, that's beautiful. And then, Chris, back to you. Um, so you, you put yourself out as a veteran. Um, yep. how, how do people respond to that at does that help your marketing or is there a community that responds to that? You know, when I started this, uh, granted Slickfin is like a, uh, kind of an, an internal term in the, in the bomb squad type field in the Marine Corps. But I didn't really want to like push the fact that I was a veteran to the limit. Um, you know, and now I'm kind of getting pushback from everybody saying, yeah, you've got to like tell everybody you're a veteran and people love it. And, you know, and, and they do, people do love it. I don't really like capitalizing off of it. Um, that's just kind of like a personal thing. Um, but I feel that people are very receptive to it and they do like hearing my story. Um, and they do like, you know, uh, getting to chat with me, you know, if I pop my head out of the brewery for a couple minutes and I see somebody that I know, you know, we can, you know, obviously share a story. People really do appreciate that intimacy uh, of our brewery and of our story. 
So yeah, it's 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 well recepted. Well, that's great, Jimmy. Yeah, go for it. it. It's it's Mark. I just want to. Uh, I Chris has some really great news that actually just came about with his brewery that I he might want to share. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so after about a year, um, you know, our brewery is is tiny. It's a one barrel. Um, we have a very old building. It's from the late 1850s. Um, and I've been trying for a year to purchase that building and the building to the left of me, if you're looking at the brewery. Um, and then there's a house in the back right on the Hudson too. Um, so we're trying to create this really beautiful outdoor space right on the Hudson. And, uh, we finally been able to do that. Uh, we closed on the properties this past Friday and we're going to start getting the construction crews in there, hopefully, you know, in the springtime and get that get that space set for late spring, early, early summer. Well, Chris, that's great news. I'm going to ask you a favor. You guys go to at Slickfin uh, underscore brewery, I think. Um, why don't you post a picture of the of the the yard <laughs> on the river? Yeah, because I, yep. I was yep. trying to figure out something about you guys. And um, that would draw me especially with summer coming. I, uh, I'm going to jump to Dave for a second. Dave, um, talking about getting more brewers involved, especially in New York City, I mean, this winter sucked, right? I mean, in, indoors were shut down. Yep. Um, I, I, I can't imagine asking anyone, any brewery in New York, to do anything this winter. Well, you know, the, the thing is, though, and this is something that Mark, Jimmy, and I have talked about throughout the entire project and particularly in the very beginning when, when the response was, was a little uh, tepid at best, you know, come from a brewery's perspective. And this is every time I talk to somebody about the project, I always try and remind people of this is that when we created this recipe, we wanted this to be a recipe where it wasn't going to be prohibitively expensive to brew this beer. And so breweries could still brew this beer, charge their normal margin for it, and then tack on a little bit to donate. Like we're not asking anybody to 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 remove themselves from the from the from the equation we want people to still we want all of the breweries because for that very reason like you just said because it's been a tough winter um to still be able to to make their own mark their own profit on this and that's the whole idea behind this project is to to keep what you need and give what you can and so like for us for example we're, we're just charging our regular margin for the beer and then we tacked on a few dollars to a four pack or to a case of the beer or, or to a keg of it. And that, that spread between our regular price point and what we're charging now is what we're using as the donation. And, you know, there, there's even, even if the dollar amount is not massive, there is a large, there is a, a unquantifiable uh, value associated with, with just talking about, you know, the fact that we're doing a show here and talking about the situation that, that this group, this industry is facing, that's, publicity that these guys, you know, that there's, there's real money associated with that. So even if it's not hard dollars, we're, we're getting this into the, into the attention, into other people's minds and getting it in front of them so that they then maybe realize it in another way of their daily lives. So it doesn't just have to be directly from this project and from the beer that we're brewing. Um, and, that, and I think that's something that's lost on a lot of the guys here in New York City. And I think it's also something that they're not paying attention to because we're we as an industry are so dependent now are becoming more dependent on tourism that we're getting from whether it's concerts or Broadway or, or you name it. And so, or sporting events, live entertainment. Um, and the fact that all of that has been shut down, that that's also curbed 
beer tourism. So this is something that that impacts us. It's sort of a circular thing. So even though it's been tough for for us, it's it's tough for other people. And this is a way to ha- that we help each other help ourselves. Wow. And what Jimmy said. So so when I when I buy the beer, it's clearly marked that there's a donation. Um, but the idea of what we're talking about is it it could raise consciousness about government stimulus might be might be uh, neglecting some of the the actors. I mean, it's it's not a big group. Like we think the arts is so important in New York City, but I would think in a lot of other parts of the country, you know, it's probably more pronounced here, isn't it, Jimmy? Well, the thing is, is that the one of the things that was a shock to all of us when we started doing the the research on it was just how big of a monetary driver the arts is in every community, just about every community across the country, whether you're talking theater or film or live music. I mean, this is, this it's jobs and jobs and jobs. And in New York city, obviously, because we have Broadway here and all these other things, let me blow your mind. Are you ready, Jimmy? Um, So Broadway in 2018, 2019 brought in more money in direct ticket sales than all of the professional sports teams in the New York City area combined. Wow. And it also employed close to 100,000 people. I mean, that's, that's huge. It's billions of dollars. It's close to $15 billion in a single year. Wow. And, and also, I, wanted, I just need to jump in. Like, nationally, the arts bring in more money than the agriculture than than agriculture. It's it's. Yeah. I think it's it's sort of vastly undervalued um, on a national scale. Uh, yes, it's it's obvious how important it is to New York City, but on a national scale, it's also enormous. Think about how many people go to a concert or to a show, and they'll go out for dinner beforehand, and then they'll go out for drinks after, or maybe they'll come into town for that concert and get a hotel room and stay overnight. I mean. It, it, it's a ripple effect, and I think people are going to realize before this is all over how important the arts are everywhere. I mean, it's really important for people to know that. My favorite, too, is the naysayers, the ones who are like, ah, the arts aren't that important. They're not that important. And then they go and binge watch Netflix for the next six hours. <laughs> well, where do you think that came from? You know? Wow. And that's great. And Chris, since, since, let me go to Chris because Chris is a. I'm going to call you a Broadway brat, Chris. I'm sure you don't like that, but <laughs> um, so it's, it's, you have a great story that you. you but it, tell us what the arts mean to you because you 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 grew up in it. Yeah, um, I mean, I wasn't really necessarily immersed in it. Um, I, I obviously did go to a couple of Broadway shows at a younger age. Um, I did a lot of traveling though. My parents. We, we traveled a lot, but, um, beyond that arts for me, I, I'm, I'm a huge musician. Uh, I, I love all music. Um, there's really nothing I don't like. Um, I have a ton of musical instruments in my house for myself, for my daughter. Um, so music to me is, uh, something that's, you know, obviously very important in my life. Um, I was very fortunate though, you know, growing up around what my mom was able to provide, you know, being able to take me to Broadway and explain to me, you know, uh, you know, all those different terms and whatnot and getting to meet certain people at such a young age. Um, it's, it was very interesting and it's something that I still find very interesting. Um, I'm very gracious of my mom for that, um, for, you know, being able to provide that to me at such a young age. 
Um, and I, I try to extend that with my daughter now with music. So whenever we get a chance, we, you know, obviously go watch, uh, go to a concert, you know, obviously not this past year, but um, we do try and get out to the Adirondack Theater Festival as much as possible, get to a local concert as much as possible. Um, it's a, it's an everyday part of our lives. It really is. Well, that's great. And Chris, let's talk about, let's talk about beer. I'm going to, we're going to run out of time. Yeah. Let's go back to beer. So tell me like the last two beers that you, you, you made or you're making now, and then like two yep. other breweries that inspire you. Yeah. Um, so we are working on another Imperial Stout. It's kind of based off the Girl Scout cookie, the Samoa. Um, and I think we're going to call it Scout's Honor. Um, the name is not 100% yet, but that's something that we're working on at the moment. And I also have another sour that we're putting on that we've had on before, um, but I haven't made it in quite some time called uh, OPP. It's got orange, pineapple, and peach in it. Um, and it's, like I said, the sours for us, they're usually on and off. I put them on tap on Thursday and it's probably gone by Saturday night. So they're very well received. Um, we love drinking them. My wife loves them. So I just keep making them for her. And, you know, she's the one out in front selling them all. So, um, you know, we're lucky in that sense. But uh, yeah, so a couple of breweries that really inspired me. Um, I think at a younger age, Sierra Nevada um, opened my eyes to craft beer, you know, 20 some odd years ago. Um, I think I had my first celebration ale that my brother bought me and I was underage actually, but I drank it and, uh, <laughs> and I fell in love with it. And, um, it kind of, you know, it opened my eyes to, to craft beer at a very, very young age. And then, um, I guess most recently there's some breweries in Massachusetts that I really, really do love. Um, sometimes it's hard to get out there to, um, um, Treehouse is one, Trillium be another. There's a couple in Vermont that are really, really great as well, um, and uh, I'm just inspired by everything around me. So, you know, I try to put into my beer what I've gathered in my travels across this globe and, you know, try and infuse that into everything I do here. That's great, man. And then about, so you were in Afghanistan. It's funny, I was just reading about a, a cider maker who's in like Kansas who had, who had yeah. spent time uh, in Afghanistan and Pakistan advising um, something yeah. to do with crops. Um, when you're in Afghanistan, what was there a beer that you were craving or I'll be honest with you. I was just craving I was craving anything at that time. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it was a rough one. It was the second time I was there. Uh, the first deployment I was in Afghanistan. I, I really didn't get a chance to think all that much because I was out working probably like 16, 18 hours a day, and that's like legitimate working. Um, my second time around, uh, was a little different. It was a little, it's just a strange scenario that, they, that I was put in, but, uh, I ended up su supporting some foreign forces and, uh, um, sometimes we were busy, sometimes we weren't. Um, and then I called my buddy, he was at another patrol base and I said, Hey, I want to make some booze. I don't even know if that's like, I can, but I, I need to do it because I need to like do something. And he just basically, Hey, grab your old protein container, grab some, juice boxes and some Fleischmann's yeast and I'll work you through it. And so <laughs> that's what I did. And I made toilet wine basically. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, at, at one point about six weeks later, I realized I had it and, um, we all got together before we went on a big op and, uh, we had a few days of downtime and I was like, well, maybe we should crack this thing open and see what it tastes like. And it was awful. It was like yeasty champagne. Um, it was pretty gross, but you know, Hey, what did you call it? Toilet, toilet wine. Yeah. It was like toilet wine. Yeah. Yeah. Pruno. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's what got me hooked. And uh, alchemy has so you, been what, you, in my you, life. You said you put in, uh, you use yeast, but you said you use dried prunes. Is that what you use? No, I use I use juice boxes. So they had like uh, I had a pallet of juice boxes, and I stole like you know twenty four juice boxes. It was like some <laughs> sort of fruit punch or something. Probably had a ton of, you know, obviously non fermentable sugars in it. But um, yeah, I found some Fleischmann's yeast on our shelf that the previous EOD team had, and I said, well, I guess here goes nothing. You know, I made an airlock for it with some tubing and stuck it in the corner in a nice you know cool area and let it sit for six weeks. And, um, yeah, it was awful, but we, well, that, that's amazing. Cause uh, a friend of ours, uh, who, had, um, we, we know some, a woman, uh, Mary Isaac, who made a book years ago about, um, all, all the fast ferments you, that people did around the world. And this one should probably mm-hmm. get added to it, but her recipes are actually come out good. So <laughs> yeah, wow, man, I'm so glad to meet you, Chris. And again, this yeah, whole like curtain up thing, um, you know, it's so cool to see it through the lens of, of, of Jimmy and Mark and, and the friends that they have out there. Uh, Jimmy or Mark, who, who's a brewer that, that we didn't get to meet who uh, you, you would also recommend that we talk to one day about Curtin Up? Well, it's <clears throat> I would love to have Shorts come by. Shorts in Michigan brewed it at their tap room. So they've they've been there and done that already. Six Point has said yes. So there's somebody they haven't brewed theirs yet, but we're hoping that comes up soon. Um, <clears throat> Prison City up in Auburn uh, is thinking about it. And uh, there's a there's a brewery down in Florida that I love in Vero Beach called Walking Tree. That has won a bunch of medals uh, and they're going to be brewing it later this year. So, Mark, who are you thinking about? Um Bound by Fate is another upstate uh, brewery, not not too far from Slickfin, and yeah. uh, his his story is a lot of fun too. Uh, they're, they're great folks, and, uh, and then we got a, a bunch over in the Finger Lakes uh, that are coming on board. Lucky Hair is a really really cool little brewery, and I, I'd I'd love to to get a chance to talk to them and uh, Larry out at Spiderbite, and uh, yeah, they're they're folks all over the place. The folks at Departed Souls. Um, we we could keep you busy for for quite a while if we wanted to get the interesting people on. <laughs> but we're we're There's gonna check you out there. at at, at Curtain Up Beer on Instagram. We got Slickfin Brewery was on. We had Union Craft Brewing out, out of Baltimore, and of course Dave Lopez, uh, Gun Hill Brewing. You guys, thanks so much for joining me. A big shout out to our producing intern Caroline uh, Fox and our engineer Armin Spingen. Uh, big shout out to Dave, Mark, and Jimmy. And uh, John and Chris, thanks for joining us on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Support Curtain Up Beer, right? At Curtain Up Beer. Woo! All right. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us 